to while away the time, which tends to drag a bit during Chinese New Year, I devised a new political game. Is there any chance at all? Any number can play, but you can also play it by yourself. First, pose an ongoing or even a historical political conundrum. Then pose all the possible reasons why the problem will be solved or will not be solved, ending only when an unanswerable "Is there any chance at all?" becomes very obvious. So, is there any chance at all that Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe will now be able to amend or revise the Japanese Constitution? Last week, we reprised the events surrounding the sudden surrender of Japan, bringing World War Two to an end. The Japanese Constitution was born in the rush of events that followed, as the Allied but essentially American occupation was instituted. Great power rivalries played a role. On the morning of February the first, nineteen forty-six, the supreme commander, Allied powers in charge of the occupation, General Douglas MacArthur, was advised of the need for prompt action before the Far East Commission. On which other powers, including the Soviet Union, were represented, arrived in Tokyo and removed the question of the Japanese Constitution from MacArthur's authority. The Far Eastern Commission's role had recently been agreed at a meeting in Moscow. As one history of the occupation describes events, on February the fourth, nineteen forty-six, a meeting of top occupation officials was told that MacArthur was entrusting them with immediately drafting a new Japanese constitution. MacArthur directed that three major points must be incorporated in that draft: first, that the emperor is the head of state. Second, that war as a sovereign right is abolished and renounced by Japan, even for preserving its own security. No army, navy, or air force is authorized. And third, the feudal system is abolished, and the rights of peerage, except of the emperor's family, should not extend beyond the lives of those now holding them. In later years, MacArthur repeatedly stated that the no war, no arms provision had originally been suggested to him by Prime Minister Kijuro Shidehara on January the twenty-fourth, nineteen forty-six. Shidehara wanted the new constitution to prohibit any military establishment for Japan, any military establishment whatsoever. MacArthur recalled in his memoirs. Some scholars have questioned the general's accuracy on this very point. Almost certainly, those taking part in the creation of the new constitution, ending with its enactment into law on third of May, nineteen forty-seven, would probably never have confidently expected that after the passage of seventy years, the new constitution would still be in place, completely unaltered, completely unamended. There can be little doubt that Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, after his second landslide election victory in the December 2013 general election for the House of Representatives, has decided to go where all previous post-war prime ministers preferred not to tread. The New York Times reporter, based in Japan, Martin Fackler, has faithfully reported the recent unfolding story as Abe has sought to place revision of the constitution more firmly on Japan's political agenda. 
On December the 24th, 2014, the headline was Shinzo Abe has eyes on revising constitution. And the report read, Flushed with victory in this month's national elections, Abe began a new term, proclaiming that he wanted to revise his nation's constitution, which renounces war. On February the 5th, 2015, the headline was, Abe is said to have plans to revise pacifist charter. Asked by a top LDP politician whether the best time for starting the revision process would be after the elections to the upper house of councillors in the summer of 2016, Abbey said that would be common sense. Abbey had also told Parliament that he wanted to make this change in order to strengthen Japan's hand in responding to the threats like that of the Islamic State militant group which had killed two Japanese hostages last month. Then on February the 12th, in Abe appeals to Japanese on pacifist constitution, Fackler reported that Abe had made his most emotional appeal yet for rewriting Japan's pacifist constitution. Quote, In the equivalent of a State of the Union speech to Parliament, Abe made an impassioned plea for change. At times, almost seeming to shout at the chamber, the Prime Minister said the time had come for Japan to try the same kind of sweeping transformation that it had accomplished after its defeat in World War II. People of Japan, be confident, said Mr Abe, a conservative who has often called for the country to play a more active role in global affairs. Isn't it time to hold deep debate about revising the constitution? For the future of Japan, shouldn't we accomplish in this parliament the biggest reform since the end of the war? Unquote. Thus, at first sight, Abe's policy intent seems very clear, yet in reality it is not. But Abe's central motive is beyond question. He wishes to change the situation created by Article 9 of the Constitution imposed in 1947 by the post-World War II American occupation of Japan. Then the Americans were reacting to the actions of the undemocratic Japanese authoritarian regime which had committed aggression across Asia and the Pacific. They ostensibly imposed pacifism as well as democracy upon defeated Japan with what has become a highly controversial clause, Article 9, for which the Constitution is widely known. Here is its full text. Article 9, aspiring sincerely to an international peace based on justice and order, the Japanese people forever renounce war as a sovereign right of the nation and the threat or use of force as means of settling international disputes. 2. To accomplish the aim of the preceding paragraph, land, sea and air forces, as well as other war potential, will never be maintained. The right of belligerency of the state will not be recognised. Obviously, Article 9 is far too sweeping to be acceptable to any political party believing that Japan has the right to defend itself. The only party which ostensibly accepts Article 9 in totality today is the Japanese Communist Party. 
The socialists originally took that stance too, but moderated their position when they became part of a coalition government. The second section of Article 9 is the part that is most unacceptable to the long-ruling Liberal Democratic Party since it implies that Japan has no right to defend itself. Under the pressures generated by the 1950 Korean War, Japan began to develop its self-defence forces as an extension of the national police force. It did not take long for these to become an army, an air force and a navy in all but name, limited to some degree in its choice of weapons, but more in its ability to operate as part of a national military organisation. One interpretation of Article 9 has been to maintain that Japan cannot possess offensive military weapons such as intercontinental ballistic missiles, nuclear weapons, aircraft carriers or jet bombers. But even this stipulation has lapsed under the pressure of reality as Aegis-equipped destroyers and big-deck helicopter carriers have become part of Japan's growing naval fleet. But as far as can be seen, no serious effort has been made to redraft Article 9 to put it more in line with Japanese and international reality. The main reason for this is public opinion. Japanese opinion polls, as ever, vary widely in their results, but clearly any attempt to change or to seriously redraft Article 9 would meet with stiff opposition from public opinion. As one academic has wittily observed, Article 9 will be revised in practice long before it is revised in fact. That said, the strongest defender of Article 9 is the very constitution of which it is a part. Undoubtedly, prime ministers before Abe may have briefly considered a more flexible, realistic wording for Article 9. But what has held them back has been Article 96. Article 96 reads, Amendments to this Constitution shall be initiated by the Diet through a concurring vote of two-thirds or more of all members of each House of the Diet and shall thereupon be submitted to the people for ratification which shall require the affirmative vote of a majority of all votes cast thereon at a special referendum or at such election as the Diet shall specify. Consider what this means for Abbey in the present situation. Suppose Article 9 is changed or reworded. First, Abbey would have to secure a two-thirds majority in the House of Representatives supporting the change. Then he would have to get a two-thirds majority in the House of Councillors supporting the change. Then he would have to obtain a majority favouring the change in a national referendum. Even after successive landslides for the lower house, Abe simply cannot be sure of a two-thirds majority there. His coalition partner, New Komeito, might demur on security issues. Minus the landslides, the same is true for the upper house. And Abe is on record as thinking that securing a simple majority in a national referendum might be the most difficult task of the three. As far as I know... No one has ever been so politically brave as to propose a reworded version of Article 9. 
Significantly, the Liberal Democratic Party has clearly indicated what it thinks the best solution would be. This came in the proposal for an amended Article 96, which would read... Amendments to this Constitution shall be initiated by a member of either the House of Representatives or the House of Councillors and resolved by the Diet through a concurring vote of a majority of all members of both Houses and shall thereupon be submitted to the people for ratification which shall require the affirmative vote of a majority of all valid votes cast in a popular election conducted as provided by law. But the catch preventing such a change is obvious. Before the Constitution can be amended with only simple majorities in both houses, that change will still require two-thirds majorities in both houses. Back to my original question. Is there any chance at all that Shinzo Abe will now be able to amend or revise the Japanese Constitution? Since Abe does not believe in committing political suicide... There is no chance at all. So why all the verbal promises of major, long, overdue change? Abe knows that there are restraints on his ability to change the wording of the Constitution. But he also knows that there are no constraints on changing the unwritten interpretation of the Constitution.